Yeah, because I live in the Brighton area, I wanted it to be kind of representative of the place that I live as well. So I really wanted somewhere that was next to the sea. And I really, I mean, I always feel happier when I can see the sea. <laughs> and my house, when I look out the window, it's like a sea view. So that's why I really wanted somewhere by the sea. And I wanted somewhere on the ground floor because I got a phobia of lifts. <laughs> Welcome to an as yet untitled podcast about crypto art and digital exhibitions. I'm your host, Harrison Wilmot, and I'll be chatting to artists, curators, and collectors over the next few months. Angie Taylor, the longtime sculptor and digital artist and newbie crypto artist, is my first guest. I had a really lovely chat with her about her work, why she got into crypto art, how she creates her sculptures, and how she was going about building her exhibition in crypto voxels. If you're near a PC, I encourage you to click on the link in the description of this podcast, leading you to Angie's CryptoVoxels Brighton Beach Sculpture Gallery, so you can explore as we chat. What drew you to CryptoVoxels in particular? Was it just because well, there was a good land question. available? Or... No, I looked at Decentraland and CryptoVoxels, and I kind of looked a bit at Somnium Space as well, but not really because I couldn't figure it out. Mm. I can't remember why I couldn't. But anyway, it seemed like Decentraland and CryptoVoxels were the two main ones. And I looked at them both. I liked them both for different reasons. I really liked the limitations of CryptoVoxels and the simplicity of it. Um, I like. I kind of like the more organicness like of um, Decentraland, like the fact that everything doesn't have to be squares because sometimes I do find you know I'd like to see a curved edge some, yeah. sometimes um, but yeah there were pros and cons visually to both um, and then I really liked crypto voxels most because people seemed more friendly and more open to helping me and talking to me and mm. so it was really the community I think that made me choose crypto voxels um, and there seemed to be quite a few people I knew from super rare on there so I kind of already knew some people on there whereas I didn't really know anyone on Decentraland Fair enough, I'm just going to wait for this helicopter to go by And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested in voxel. I mean, I've done voxel sculpting with Medium and Masterpiece VR, but oh, yeah. not such a, a limited, you know, 126 mm. voxels. Um, but I really like the challenge of doing that. So what I'm doing at the moment is making my sculptures in voxels. So for tomorrow, I'm hoping to have these four sculptures all made in voxels, so they'll nice. all be in That'd here. Be really nice to see. Is that with magic yeah. and voxels? Well, I am using a bit of a combo of different tools. So I'm using magic and voxel. Um, but what's really frustrating me is Cinema 4D makes it really difficult to get um, textures out without pulling everything apart. So oh, I see. I'm struggling a bit at the moment getting the textures to come into uh, Magica Voxel. Oh, yeah. 
So it should, I think the OBJ should come in with the textures, but it's not at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, it should do. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to make a gallery for my own work, but I also really want to like um, exhibit other people's work, specifically sculpture or uh, drawings and paintings by sculptors. So people who are predominantly sculptors rather than painters or illustrators yeah. or digital sculptors or all kind of uh, all kinds yeah digital. yeah any kind like i'm from a traditional sculpture background um but obviously i'm doing digital sculpture now are these um these pictures underneath the stairs are yeah. those uh works that you've sculpted yeah they're so on this wall here under the stairs are some of my real sculptures, <laughs> real world sculptures. Nice. So wood carvings and metal sculptures. And then on the other wall are my digital sculptures, which are kind of quite a new thing for me. I'm still kind of feel like I'm trying to kind of, I'm still developing the style of them, I think. Mm. I'm hoping this podcast can capture conversations that I have with folks about the crypto art space in general, talking about everything from digital art to exhibition building and beyond. If you're up for being on this podcast, let me know. But for now, let's get back to Angie as she talks to me about how she started making digital art. How did you first discover like the digital sculpturing side of things? Well, I've been in digital media since the early 90s. In fact, actually the late 80s. Yeah, so I started, the first encounter I had with a computer was actually a Sinclair Spectrum with the Hobbit game on it. Gosh, they knew how to name them in those days, didn't they? Yeah, it was just ASCII-based, so you just typed in commands of what you wanted to do. And then I was a... DJ after I left, I went to art college, left art college with a sculpture degree and thought, what the fuck can I do with a sculpture degree? <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll do prop making. I thought it was either prop making or making gravestones, so I opted for prop making. Yeah, nice. Um, did that and I was DJing part time as well. And when I was DJing, I wanted to, I'd heard about sequencing and sampling, which oh, yeah. had just kind of started at the time. So I found a music and technology course which was on Amigas and Ataris with uh, Cubase One and various other um, vertical sequencing tools. They had a copy of Deluxe Paint on the computer which was a really basic, one of the first basic paint programs before Photoshop and all of that. And in that you could cycle colours so you could make it go through you know, 16 colours or and you could do like fire and things like that. So I played around with that while I was on the music and technology course. And also because I'd done sequencing, I was thinking about sequencing images and yeah. anim- animation, all that stuff. And I just got got really hooked and then um, decided to give up. Well, actually, I was living in London at the time and I got arrested on the poll tax riots, wrongfully, of course. <laughs> and after that, decided life's too short, I'm going to give up prop making, 
I want to work with computers. So I moved back to Scotland, got on a course. It was actually a music, uh, IT course because there weren't any graphic design courses or computer design courses at mm. the time. But they had a computer that had Coral Draw on it. So I knew that I could at least use some software. So I, I enrolled on that course, finished the course. Then I went on a graphic design course. And then I managed to get the money together for a computer. So I got a Mac. And funnily enough, just purely by accident, met a guy from Adobe at a party who oh, said, yeah. oh, I'll get, you, I'll get you a copy of this great software called Photoshop. So I got a copy of Photoshop One and it was amazing. I did him a little picture to say thank you. I got a picture of his baby and put a Mohican on it and piercings and mum and dad on the knuckles and stuff. And he was like, oh, wow, I can't believe you did that after one day. Will you come and do some demos for Adobe? So I ended up being an Adobe demo artist in the really early days showing Photoshop. And then I got into After Effects, which I really loved. Totally fell in love with After Effects, got really into animation doing motion graphics so then I was a motion graphic designer for about 25 years and then I started learning cinema 4d and got into 3d and I always intended to do my own stuff but I just got sidetracked I'm one of these people that can't say no so people would say will you come and do this will you come and do that and I ended up doing all these things that were kind of taking me further away from what I wanted to do Mm. but they were great things I really enjoyed them but um so I finally it's actually COVID has been one of the best things, really, because I haven't got any other work. So I thought, well, I might as well do what I want for, for a change and do what I've been wanting to do for a long time. So that's why I've got time to do my sculpture and um, devote time to getting into crypto art, which is something that I've been interested in for a long time, but I've never really kind of got involved in just either not had time or been a bit too nervous about getting involved, yeah. I suppose. What was the, the kind of the push or the inspiration which got you into the crypto art space? Well, I've always had an interest in kind of counterculture stuff and anything that's a bit edgy. I mean, I was a punk and I was in Rock Against Racism and CND and all of those you know, kind of political, rebellious, kind of left-wing kind of movements. And the crypto art thing kind of made... I I kind of get really fed up of the elitism in design sometimes Mm. in the design world. And I wanted to get back into doing art for art's sake, you know, just doing fine art, not designing for other people. I saw crypto art and I thought it seemed to have that same feel that punk had that kind of cut and paste, Mm. do it yourself, doesn't matter what qualifications you've got, anyone can do it. I really like that attitude. And I like the fact that people seem to be a bit more politically aware. Um, And then also uh, last year, so I tend to work at my computer a lot and I don't get out and about very much. And someone had said to me, oh, you need to do more networking, get out and about. And someone sent me a link to this thing in Brighton and it was uh, VR and immersive day. And I thought, well, I'm not into VR, but I'll go anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, because the last time I tried VR was like lawnmower man. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd kind of dismissed it since then, really. And then I went along thinking, well, I'll, I might meet some nice people, you know. Yeah. I went along, watched the presentation, which was really good. And then 
this guy Chris, who was doing the presentation at Fusebox, said, right, you're now going to get to try mm. Tilt Brush. And, oh, and I put yeah. the VR headset on and started drawing, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was amazing. It yeah. was like, because I always used to draw on really huge canvases and do okay. my paintings on huge canvases. So you're used to being really physical with your emotions. Yeah. Yeah, and I always got frustrated that they could never be big enough. Yeah. And it was amazing to be inside your own artwork. Yeah. And I just loved it. So I got, and I applied for a residency there at Fusebox, and I got a residency first, I think it was eight months. Nice. So got to use all the equipment, got to try out lots of different technologies, um, got lots of really great lectures at the University of Sussex and stuff. It was a really good year. So that kind of got me into the frame of mind of, you know, you can let go of things a bit because I think I was scared to let go of my day job in case everything fell apart. And then because I got the residency, I kind of had to do it and I had to let go of work a little bit. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'm struggling a bit financially, but I'm a lot happier. Can you talk a little bit about the work you've got on display on your in this space and how if if there was any reasoning behind the way you have been have curated the work and built the space around the work? The ones hanging on the kind of seaside wall yeah. are all tokenized artworks that I've got on super rare. Oh yeah. Um, so I, a friend of mine applied, I became an artist on Super Rare, um, Algomistic, A-L-G-O-M-Y-S-T-I-C. I've known him for years. We, he worked in the software industry as well. So when I was working for Adobe, he used to write plugins for After Effects. He wrote uh, some of the most amazing plugins for After Effects. And then... He started doing like art-based stuff with the skills that he had, and um, he he went on to super super rare, and I thought, oh, what's that? It looks interesting, and um, that's when I kind of really because I'd been interested in crypto stuff before that, but I hadn't really. It seemed all a bit financial to me, and yeah, I had the same perspective. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really, you know, anything financial. I kind of think. Oh, great. <laughs> When it became art-based, it started being interesting. Yeah. And um, he he got on there and he said, well, it'd be really interesting to see if it could be a way for artists to finally make money out of the work they create. Because that's the dream for everyone, is just to make art and make money from it. Yeah. Enough money to get by. That's all yeah. most artists want. Um, and it's so bloody difficult for us to do it. Yeah. So uh, that's what was interesting to me. So then... I thought, well, I want to, I wanted to make these digital sculptures, but what I always found with um, digital 3D applications, like I use Cinema 4D and I love it, and Blender, mm. but I always find that that 2D screen creates a kind of cutoff in terms of the connection between you and the object. Yeah. Whereas in and also you can't really sketch like when when I create sculptures. It's usually wood carving or something. So what you do is you kind of sketch with the chisel a rough shape. Oh, yeah. And then you go in the same way that you draw. And then you go over it and over it until it becomes more refined. 
or it gets to where you want it to get to. And you don't really have that with 3D applications. You've got to really know what you want to create before you start creating. It's not as experimental. I don't know. I disagree. I, I faff around in Blender for, for a long time and try different things and experiment. I, I, in, a, in a similar way, I find it's like breaking down and kind of reducing uh, the material until I find something which is I, I like. Yeah, I guess if you use the sculpting tools in Blender or something, <clears throat> it kind of has that. But you can't really, you you can't really draw in the same way that you can in VR. You know. Yeah, there's not there's there's no because uh, like you have mouse and keyboard is no hand. Yeah, exactly. So you can't kind of it can't track the three D space. So you're thinking in 3D space, but then you're having to kind of translate your thoughts for the computer. Mm. So it's almost like you're having to be the translator. This is what I want to do. This is how you should understand it. Mm. Whereas when you're in VR, what you're doing is immediate. You're not having to make any kind of translation for the computer. Yeah. That's so if you, want to, if you want to look at the back of something, you don't have to pick up the mouse and you know, remember which button to press yeah. and you just literally walk behind it and you can see behind it. If you want to just see something from a different angle, you just move your head from side to side. So you're not having to translate a hand and mouse movement. You're, you're actually looking around the back of something or looking at the side of something. So for me, it just felt much more immediate. And I've got ADHD, so one of the things that's been an issue with me in the past... Mm-hmm is I need to get ideas out really quickly. Otherwise, I get another idea, and then that just completely wipes that idea out, and then I go after that idea. So if something takes too long to get to a kind of state where it exists, then it ends up just being unfinished, and I've got so many unfinished projects. But because VR, it's really, really quick and easy to sketch something in 3D really quickly... It's like within a really short period of time, I've got something that's actually in the form that I want it to be. It might not be finished, but it's like in a form that I can see and understand and work with. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, You mentioned you have ADHD, and I read on your website that a lot of your work is inspired by or, or influenced by that. Can you talk a little bit more about how that works? Yeah, I guess, um, so I've got ADHD and Asperger's. Call me Lucky Angie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I didn't really know that until later in life. I mean, I knew there was something not quite right, but I didn't know what it was. Um, And then sort of getting a diagnosis has been a massive help to me because it's made sense of things and it's helped me to figure out why things are a certain way and why I have difficulty understanding what other people are talking about and why I tend to put my foot in things and say the wrong things and all sorts of other things. Mm. So it's been a big, quite a big thing in the last few years. And, um, And I guess when I look back at the work that I was doing at art college and after art college, it was about that, even though I didn't know it was about that. So it was a, a lot of it was about isolation, not fitting in, 
being angry, getting frustrated, all those kind of things. And then when I was at um, Fusebox, I thought what I want to do is create an environment that kind of makes me feel like this is my world, this is how I would like my world to be kind of thing. And other people can come in and experience it. So I created a VR experience called uh, Scattered Mind. Oh, yeah. And it's it's a woodland that you you walk through the woodland and there's all these kind of metamorphosis tree humans. So there's the kind of trees with people growing out of them. So it's kind of peaceful but scary at the same time. And then you get to this, there's a huge tree at the end, which is like the actual size of a giant redwood tree. And you can go inside it and there's a spiral staircase inside that you go up and then you go inside each of the branches and inside each of the branches is a different world. So first world you come to is the classroom of misfits and it's about witchcraft and the people who were persecuted for being witches. I always kind of think were probably people with things like ADHD disorders. So it's about them and and it kind of talks a bit about some of the things that happened to them. And one of my sculptures actually is about the witch trials, the one that, the circular one that has like a star and a tree in it. That's a bronze sculpture that's on site in Scotland when it commemorates the witch trials. So that's one of the worlds. And then there's another world is the Gallery of Unfinished Projects. So it's all my unfinished oh, yeah. stuff. Relate to that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So when I started making that, I I started building these characters, and you might, if you look at my old work, I I used to do a lot of kind of what I call naive sculpture, which is, um, I I learned wood carving in Jamaica from a Rasta guy on the beach. I lived in Jamaica for a little while. And um, I really loved that way of carving, really, you know, really powerful, but not really ultra finished, sort of primitive kind of thing. So I wanted to kind of capture that, but also give it a kind of futuristic twist as well. So that's when I started doing these wood, these carvings, like the seahorse is kind of like a bit of a mixture between the two. Yeah, I really love the seahorse. Thank you. I'm making that in Gravity Sketch at the moment. I really like the look of kind of unfinished hulls and mm-hmm. I really like sketching with hulls because it feels like it feels the most like wood carving that mm-hmm. I've found that I've found out of everything. Especially when in Gravity Sketch, because I can build up and then I can start to kind of, you know, use the subdivision to kind of change the shapes a bit afterwards um so for uh, for me it's important to for it to look quite primitive as well like i like the wonkiness of the polygons and the things that i've done i like allowing kind of almost like errors to stay yeah I like as that. well so um i i feel like the style is still evolving probably out of all of them the one that i like the one that I'm happiest with, not that an artist is ever happy with what they <laughs> do, but, but probably the one, the kneeling one. I really I like that one. And I think the 
well, the latest one I've done is the Day the World Turned Day Glow, which is the really bright animated one. Yeah. So those are probably getting more towards what I want to do. So each one I do is getting kind of slightly... Yeah, refining your practice yeah. process. Yeah. I, I, really, I really love naive art. You know, like um, Basque is one of my favourite painters and Frank Bowling I love and um, Hannah Hawk and Linda Starling is one of my favourite artists Nice I can definitely get behind it it feels like um, I have like an, an aversion to things being too precise and uh, designed uh, when it comes to 3D art and photogrammetry and all that and I like to when scanning or designing capturing things I enjoy like the odd mistakes and the the weird things which kind of pop up without a without you expecting them um, and it's I'll, and I like this idea of naive art it's, uh, yeah cool. it's it's actually one of the art movements that isn't really that talked about or known about. I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking naive art is art that's done by people who can't draw. Yeah. <laughs> which, it's a... which it's not. It's yeah. people, it's like deliberately, you know, um, choosing to to express yourself quickly without overworking mm. it. I think, I, think that, I think that's the key. Yeah, I think that's cool because you, you, there's like a, a greater sense of like abstraction and, and more kind of like letting the, the person viewing the art kind of filling in the details. Yeah, and you're also, you're kind of rejecting, you know, convention because yeah. you're, because people are, like you know want you to make something that looks perfect and realistic and I did that when I was doing prop making you know we had to make things look like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the prop and the real thing Mm. in close-up photography we used to have to make things like pigs on spits and they had to be had to look like a real pig on a spit you know so we had to do lots of silicone molding and airbrushing and and it was really fascinating figuring out how to make things look real but then as soon as you learn how to make it look real, it becomes boring. Yeah. And I think it's still important. Like I still do like what I call proper 3D modeling. Like I'll make, I've got a few heads that I've made of, you know, that are more traditional sculpts and, and oh, yeah. drawing, I'll, I'll practice drawing something to make it look real because I think it's a really good way of seeing things and understanding things mm. it's a good ex- but that's an exercise for me it's not it's not the work that I want to that I feel represents me it's just for me it feels like going to the gym or something <laughs> yeah yeah I can yeah exercise yeah more of a practice and and I like the way that the working with hulls in that way kind of shows the signs and marks of the work like you know when like when you're chiseling yeah something or 
while you're painting something, you can see the individual paint strokes that the artist makes. Yeah, I think but, it's like a real humanity. You can you can read how it was sculpted, and you see like the layers of it. Yeah, and you capture the feeling of what you were feeling when you were ex- like because I move from idea to idea really quickly. I have to kind of express what I'm feeling really quickly. Mm. Otherwise, I'm feeling something different, so it'll change. Yeah. So um, that 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 is what I was feeling at the time. And then if I take that and I kind of change it and perfect it, then that's not what I was feeling anymore. Mm. So I guess that's why I like that as well. That's really interesting. Do you have any... But then I get obsessed with lighting and I hyper-focus oh, yeah. on... So materials and lighting, I go down a rabbit hole with, and I end up spending, it'll take me two days, you know, to light and render it afterwards. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm similar as well. I kind of get the sculpture done, and then I'm, where should I put lights and things? How should I put, like, put the camera around at which angle and things? Mm. There's too many, too many uh, options. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to limit yourself. Say, right, okay, I'm only allowed to use. I I always only use three lights. I'll use like three lights maximum. Um, yeah. I'll choose a palette of colors maybe for each sculpture and say, right, you're not allowed to choose anything else but that. Because if I don't limit myself, I'll probably end up. And even with those limitations, I'll be like. I could go that way, or I could go that way, or I could do it that mm. way. Or... Limitations are good. They really yeah. Because to, to... sometimes when I'm in tilt brush, and I just start, and it's just this empty space, and I'm just like, geez, what? Where? How can I start? You just and have to you start. You just have to start somewhere, and you just got to just draw a bit of a, a hole. Yeah, and some days you start and nothing happens, and then other days you start and things happen. Yeah. I think, um, like most of the really highly creative people that I know, treat their art as a job. So they just get up every morning and they just do it, whether they feel like it or not, and and they do it for a certain amount of time and then they stop. Like Nick Cave, like is. You know, he produces so much good music mm. and he just gets up. He says he gets up at, you know, six o'clock every morning, goes to the studio and just plays music and records Very every day. Of that kind of discipline. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the only way to do it because you come up, you know, you end up coming up with a lot of crap, but out of that <laughs> comes the good stuff. Yeah. And when you only see the good stuff, you don't realise that someone's created a lot of crap as well. But, you know you probably throw away 50% of what you create. So yeah. you have to you have to work really hard to get even a small amount of good stuff. Totally. I think that's what a lot of people don't, a lot of non-artists don't understand. They think that you just go to the computer and press a button and yeah. something comes out. They don't realise that, you know, how many... process behind it. Yeah, and how many things you've made that you that you haven't shown mm. as well as the ones that you have mm. so yeah and i'm also like 
really into animation as well. So my first two or three were not really that animated because I wanted to concentrate on just doing the sculpting. Mm. But I want to start doing more animated sculptures. So would you do like more like looping stuff like you've done with this? The day well, the, the format that Super Rare has suits looping. It doesn't really, it's, it's not that um, sophisticated, the, mm. the model viewer that they use on Super Rare. So you can't, you know, you can't really have a camera animating following something. So it has to be kind of a static object but that has animation in it. So that's why with that one I did an old... That's, so this is an old trick. When I started doing motion graphics, it was like I worked at a company where they didn't have a computer. So we to do rolling titles, they had a drum and used to print out the text and wrap it around the drum and then rotate the drum in front of the camera. <laughs> And I, I just thought that was genius. Yeah. I thought, that's amazing. And then, so I use that a lot in my animation. So I'll, um, so you can use what's called an offset filter to kind of do the same digitally. You basically offset the image so it keeps going past the camera. And it gives the effect of continuous movement. And that's what I've done with that one there. I've rotated the globe constantly. Yeah. And then the car cars just bumping up and down so it looks like the car is going through lots and lots of road but it's actually just a globe rotating brilliant so i'd like to do more things like that but also maybe more um i don't know whether i want the sculptures to animate or not i quite like the fact that they're frozen in an animated world (laughs) a lot of the sculptures come from uh, music as well, like that one's called the world, the day the world turned day glow, yeah. and that's a song by X-ray Specs, who were one of my favourite bands back in the punk days, and it's about um, it's about the world. I mean, it was re- it was really ahead of its time. She wrote it in I think 1976, and um, it was about the proliferation of plastics and how they're mm. taking over the world and how the world is being destroyed. So it's like the first lines are, I clambered over mounds and mounds of polystyrene foam and fell into a swimming pool full of fairy snow and watched the world turn day glow. (laughs) And then the bit that that is, it's I drove my polypropylene car on wheels of sponge (laughs) and drove into a wimpy bar to have a rubber bun. So it's, it's kind of about that. So my work, it doesn't... Someone said to me on Twitter the other day, what are your politics then? <laughs> and they were like, right, you've joined, you've kind of jumped on the crypto bandwagon. What are your credentials? Yeah. And I was like, well, A, my work isn't overtly political at the moment, but that's partly, doesn't mean it's not political mm. if you look deeper for the meaning, because most of it is. But um, also I'm kind of new to this world and I, want to find find my way around before I start pissing people off. Yeah. I, I can get <laughs> you know, that. just 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 kind of and I have kind of already got involved in a couple of discussions where I thought, oh God, I wish I hadn't said anything. <laughs> it seem seems like there's quite a lot of um strong characters in the crypto yeah. world. So I think 
my work is is political, but it's just not overtly political. I mean, I'm I'm not really. You're probably not never going to see like you know Bitcoin symbols all over my pictures, pictures and yeah. sculptures. Doesn't mean I don't have thoughts and ideas about that that aren't being expressed. It just means you've got to look a bit deeper for them. That's yeah. all. Like yeah. the the roll the dice one is. It's funny because I did that before Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's what it's about. It's about you know Rodney King and you know the hundreds of thousands of people who have been badly treated mm. and oppressed by the police, um, including myself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's really about um, race. Nice. Well, Angie, that was really a really fascinating conversation. And thank you for chatting to me. I'd, I'd love to invite you again to have a chat. Um, yeah, anytime. If, if this becomes a thing. <laughs> well, one of the good things about ADHD is you can talk for hours. So if you ever yeah. need someone to talk, you know where to come. Cool. Thank you. That's good. It's I... getting me to stop. That's a problem. <laughs> I actually wanted to say... Um, because you were posting about ADHD on Twitter, I discovered that I have a lot of ADD symptoms and ADHD. Oh, really? So yeah, I just want to say thank you because oh. through you, I I now understand the way I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations for being one of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It feels good to be part of the club. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons. But... Yeah, yeah. There's always pros and cons. But... Ah, one last question before um, I stop the recording. Um, yeah. If you were to introduce crypto art and, and VR art to a new person who was listening to this and is interested in what, what would you say to them? Uh... That's tricky because it would depend on who they were and where they were, what direction they were coming from. But I guess I would say, don't knock it till you tried it. <laughs> Just try it. Yeah, that's a good. Um, good yeah, give it a go. Brilliant. Thanks again for listening. Now all the way to the end of this podcast. If you don't know me, I'm Harrison Wilmot, also known as Hasmus Online. I'm a digital artist and Extended Realities creative producer. I'm currently super interested in digital exhibitions and crypto art. So if you like this podcast and want to get involved as a guest or have any constructive criticism, please let me know. My contact details are in the description.